It is the Wednesday night edition of the Employment Hour. Look at that. Phone line's already open. We're waiting for you. You may be waiting for us. Well, now is the time for us to join together and uh, bring it to a live show of the Employment Hour, 416-870-6400. Star 640 on your cell, or if you prefer, the one 225 talk That is toll-free to call in and ask your questions about your job, your career, your boss, your severance, your uh, employment, your unemployment, Anything. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Got a lot of stuff to get through. In fact, the process for obtaining better severance. That is our topic as we uh, machete our way through a midweek show. Looking forward to it. Lots going on. And we always start, uh, Lior, with the week that was. How are you, pal? Uh, I'm I'm well, uh, doing well, and uh, quite uh, anxious to talk a lot more about employment law, workplace mm-hmm. rights, like we do every week, like we've been doing for for a number of years right here, and hopefully have the opportunity to answer questions, live questions on the air, and solve some problems in doing so. So if you're uh, wondering about your workplace situation, something happened today, it wasn't a good day, uh, your boss did something, or your job changed, or you found that you're losing your job, or maybe uh, you had a medical condition that uh, is impacting your ability to work that and more bring it on right now call us we're here for the next uh, 40 minutes or so to answer those questions and of course if you want to talk to me privately no problem we'll give you that contact information if you don't feel like getting on air this evening but let's make it interesting for everyone here employment law is such an important topic it touches all of us if we have a job we care about employment law it's as simple as that and to, to give you an example as to why you should care and how it could impact you, week that was, a couple situations that uh, came across my desk over the past week or so. Uh, first one I'll tell you about involved uh, a lady who uh, had hurt herself at work, hurt her back, and uh, was uh, applying for WSIB, was off work, mm-hmm. and was dealing with the, uh, I guess, the rigmarole that uh, the WSIB system sometimes uh, requires. Well, unfortunately, she was denied uh, WSIB. Uh, the WSIB felt that the injury was not actually related to work, was something that she had before. Uh, be that as it may, as she is dealing with WSIB and trying to convince them, no, no, that, that this is a workplace injury, she gets a, a, a letter uh, in the mail from her employer saying that we understand that you're now on an unauthorized leave because you are not on WSIB. Because you're on unauthorized leave, you have to come back to work within three days. And if you don't come back to work, we'll consider you to have resigned. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine this lady completely you know, freaking out, for lack of a better term. She, she is injured. Uh, WSAB has denied her. Now her employer is telling her she has to come back to work or else when she cannot work. Yeah. So she called me. Uh, luckily, I think it was her brother who listens to the show, told her to call me. And here's the situation, John. Ultimately, it does not matter if you qualify for WSIB. It does not matter if you qualify for short-term or long-term disability. Ultimately, what matters is can you work and is your doctor saying that you cannot work? If you legitimately cannot work and your doctor backs that up, your employer cannot demand you come back to work. They cannot impose arbitrary deadlines. They cannot uh, make any threats. It does not matter. Whether WSIB is right or wrong in the denial is a separate issue and has nothing to do with her ability to be off work. It's not an unauthorized leave. So what I'm going to be doing here is I'm going to send her employer a letter reminding them okay, that, uh, no, she is allowed to be off. And if they consider her to have resigned, that's a termination. That's a human rights violation. It's illegal. 
Your employer can't do that. Her employer can't do that. And if you're off sick, if you've been injured, whether it's an injury that happened at work, off work, whether it's a medical condition, whether it's anything medical that impacts your ability to work, you can be off work. Your employer can't touch you, can't do anything to you. If they do, you get on the phone, you call me, you email me, and I'll help you resolve that problem. Man, I bet you this happens more often than we uh, we can imagine, right? This is not the first time you've heard uh, an employer go down this road. Absolutely not, and I don't understand why it's so complicated. Right. If your employee says they can't work, and they're not just saying that, they're giving you something from a doctor, what do you want from them? It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Leave them be, let them get better. Once they're better, they'll come back to work, and life continues. It's as simple as that, Johnny. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, the number to get active and call in and get some questions or at least answers to your questions as well. We'll get to the phones here in, in just a moment. What else you got going on in the meantime? I spoke with a, a, a trucker uh, uh, just late last week before the long weekend, and he had been uh, working with the same company for 27 years, 27 years. Wow. Now, he was... Uh, what they call an owner-operator, in other words, an independent contractor, wink-wink, no, he really wasn't. Uh, <sighs> but what happened to him, and I'll get to this independent contractor thing in a second, he he also had a back problem that he developed, he was getting older, and because of that, he could no longer do the long-haul trips. Uh, he, he couldn't be in this truck for that many hours over that many days. He was only able to, to work shorter haul trips, where he, where he didn't have to be driving for as long. And he asked his employer, the company he was working for, for accommodation. They looked at him like he was crazy. He said, absolutely not. Uh, You're the long haul guy. And because you can't do those long hauls now, we don't have any work for you. If things change, let us know. And that was Mm -hmm. it. Well, here's the thing, John. First of all, he was an employee. I don't care that he thought he was an owner-operator. I don't care what the company thought. If you work somewhere for 27 years, frankly, if it's 27 months, you're an employee. Now, what does that mean? That means that they have to accommodate him, okay? They have to provide accommodation, in this case, to allow him to work shorter haul trips if those are available. Their refusal is a human rights violation. It's a termination. They owe him severance, human rights damages. So remember, you have to be accommodated. And if you're, uh, you know, for truckers out there, most of you, in the eyes of the law, are employees. You want to reach out any time to get a hold of Lior, help at employmenthour.com. There's also one 821 5,900 for the remainder of this evening. No, I'm sure you know by now, 416-870-6400 and star 640 on your cell. In that regard, flipping over to uh, JP. Hey, JP, good evening. How are you? Good. What is, uh, what's happening in your world tonight? Um, what happened was I was tightening the load down at work. I was inside the plant. I fell off the back of a ladder onto my back. I fractured my elbow on the Friday. On the, one, on the Monday, my workplace calls me up, and um, they want me to come in and do uh, modified duties uh, right away. And I haven't even, you know, seen the doctor yet. They're, they get the follow-up on my fracture in my elbow. Yeah. So, um, WSIB, the, the doctors though simply said, you know, you're not able to go to work. You can't do light duties. You can't do nothing. You're not supposed to go to work. Well, uh, WSIB said, no. That's too bad. You have to go in and do modified duties, and if you don't, you're not getting paid by us. Okay, so so there's two issues here. There's the WSIB issue, and then there's the employment issue. So let's deal with the employment issue first. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what your employer wants you to do. It ultimately matters what a doctor says you can or cannot do. So 
What you tell your employers is, I don't know yet if I can do modified duties. I'm going to be seeing a doctor as soon as I can. And once I've seen the doctor, if he says modified duties, I'll let you know. If not, I'll let you know as well. You need to see your doctor. You need your doctor to, to determine whether you, you need to be working on modified duties or maybe off work completely. The doctor may say you need to be off for two months or however long. You may be able to apply for other benefits if, if there's a short-term disability benefit, you may apply for it. So your, your employer, it doesn't matter what they want. They can't impose on you. They can't make you do anything. So see a doctor, provide the information from the doctor to the company, and they have to abide by what the doctor says, whether it's to accommodate you or to simply allow you to be off. Now, yeah. in, terms of, in terms of WSIB, if WSIB is being unreasonable and it's not common, I want, you know, rather than get into it now, I want you to contact me off air. We've recently started working with a consultant that specializes in WSIB matters. I want, you to, I want to connect you with this consultant to, to help you deal with the WSIB process. It could be yeah. a bit of a pain in the rear end, and, and I'll help you take care of that. But as it relates to your employer, you know what to do. If they continue giving you a hard time, JP, I want you to reach out to me off air. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Great show. Thank you, Thank JP. you JP. Appreciate that. Here is that number to get a hold of Lior. Please do. one 855 821 Again, one 855 And help at dot com. Moving on down the line to Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Good evening. JP, appreciate that. Here is that number to get a hold of Hey, Shannon. Oh, hi. Hi. You're here. You're us. You're with us. What's going on? Um, I'm actually calling from more like an employer standpoint. Um, sure. I, I deal with people coming, going, and firing quite often. And something that always comes up that I've been struggling with is the difference between termination pay and the difference between severance pay. Yep. So anyway, we could have that discussion. We can, but we probably don't need to. And let me explain to you why, because it probably does not matter. What I mean by that is there's only a difference between severance and termination pay under the Employment Standards Act, which only outlines a person's minimum entitlements. So the only time we would care about the Employment Standards Act is if a person signed an employment agreement that limits them. To the, to the minimums. Most employees are entitled to much more than that. They're entitled to severance in co at common law based on their age, position, and the length of their employment. So it does not matter. that In the real world, when it comes to a person's minimum entitlements, there's no difference between severance pay and termination pay. There's only termination entitlements. What you're owed if you lost your job. So if you have an employer that does have an employment agreement that limits their employees to the minimums, then yes, there is a distinction. But, but for most people, that's not going to matter. For most people, it's, it's going to be relevant. Uh, and and if, as an employer or as an employee, if you want to find out what a person is owed when that person loses their job, severancepaycalculator.com is the place to go to, Shannon. And if you want to give me a scenario, I can certainly tell you or give you an assessment now of what a person may be owed. Yeah, I have somebody who's been with us for about four and a half years that we just had to let go. Um, not wrongfully dismissed or anything like that. And um, when I was looking up some of the rules, they talk about how you have to be uh, at least five years employed yeah. to get severance and make mm -hmm. or, and have so much payroll. 
No. So that, that that's exactly what we always talk about the show. That is wrong. That what you read is from the Ministry of Labor. And that only pertains to a person's minimum termination entitlements, which is irrelevant. Okay? It's like saying, uh, well, I'm going to let Bob go. Uh, Bob makes $100,000 a year, but because minimum wage is $14, I'm only going to pay him severance based on $14, right? It, it, it doesn't matter. Strictly speaking, you only have to pay Bob $14, but you're paying him 100000 So it does not matter. So no, you have to pay severance even if you don't have a large payroll and even if the person has worked for less than five years. In fact, someone that's been with you for four and a half years depending on the, the job that they do and their age, could easily be owed six months' pay, not weeks, months' pay. Yeah. So, so because of that, Shannon, the, your size of the payroll doesn't matter. Uh, the five-year limit is, is doesn't exist. Uh, so his, his entitlements, unless he has an employment agreement that limits him, could easily be six months' pay. Understood. Would you recommend, from an employer standpoint, having an employment agreement to cover you from things like that getting stuck with six months severance pay? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it's, it's, it's a must. An employ, employer should always want an agreement like that and it has to be properly drafted. It's not something you just download off of Google. Uh, absolutely, for an employee, obviously the opposite is true. You'd rather not have it. But an employer that doesn't use a proper employment agreement has significant severance liability when they let an employee go. Shannon, you want to reach out and carry on the conversation? We just got to take a quick break. No problem. one 821 5900 Lior can do all of what you talked about. Uh, Pete, I see you there. Hang on. We'll get to your call and plenty of room for you as well. Just getting warmed up here. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell and one 225 talk That is toll-free employment hour, the Wednesday night edition right here on Global News Radio. Plenty of time to talk to you uh, this evening. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have employment issues at work. Possibly you're an employer and you want some information as well. Bring it on. one 225 talk That is uh, is toll-free. Moving on to uh, Pete. Hey, Pete, thanks for hanging on. How are you this evening? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. So listen, um, I, I've been listening. I've never heard this question before, and I find myself in a situation. I was an insurance adjuster. I made a 50% commission on my files. Uh, I only worked for a gentleman for 18 months. Uh, the relationship ended. We agreed upon a severance. I had no issue with that. I was owed about 20000 of outstanding commissions. That was my main priority. Now, so I gave him a full and final release in exchange for what I thought was adequate severance and full payment of my commissions. Um, couple th- I got most of it, uh, my 20000 A couple thousand short now. I'm having a hard time collecting. If he doesn't live up fully to the full and final release I gave him, does that make the full and final release void? And can I now go after even fair, more fair severance? It's a terrific, terrific question, Pete. And here's the answer. No, you cannot go after more severance. You can simply go after enforcing the agreement. What you have there is a contract, right? He agreed to, to pay you a certain amount. You agreed to sign this release. He breached the contract, so now you can enforce the contract, meaning if he owes you $2,000 or 2500 or whatever he owes you, you can take legal action to enforce that, but it does not mean that now you can say, aha, it's like it never happened. Now I can sue for more. So, Pete, uh, how many weeks or months pay did you negotiate? Uh, I four weeks working severance. And then another four weeks, or another, yeah, another four weeks after. So eight weeks on 18 months. So Now, eight yeah. weeks and 18 months, was that based on your total compensation, i.e. salary plus commissions, or just on your base salary? Uh, uh, 
and my, my total commissions. Uh, on your total compensation? Yeah, like based on my total compensation. So I didn't want an argument with the guy, so I thought, you know what, two months for the 18 is, is I know I could have maybe got four, I did yeah. that, you know, or three and a half, four, but I was more concerned about the commissions. I understand. I understand. No, you, you probably would have been owed more than, than the eight. It could have been as, as much as, as four months, but be that as it may, you know, you, you did agree to it. So the only thing that you can do if, in fact, he doesn't live up to his end of the bargain is to take legal action. Now, yeah. one of the things you may want to do before you go down that route is have me send them a letter because that usually gives them enough of a kick in the pants that you can avoid legal action and, and resolve it very quickly. So if you can't resolve it with them directly, give me a chance. I'll send them a, a quick letter, and, and nine out of ten times, if not more, that's going to that's gonna solve it. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate the call. That number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. For you as well, plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions just like that. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, or one triple eight two two five. talk that is toll free. Uh, Marlene, good morning. How are you? Or good morning. Good evening. How are you? <laughs> good, thanks. How are you? Excellent. Uh, what's your question? Um, I'm actually calling as an employer, and I just had an incident happen today, um, and I'm curious as to what my um, rights are when it comes to the situation. I have a person working at the property, and uh, he actually took our company vehicle. Uh, without any permission at all, and used it for personal use, and uh, went home with it, no less. Um, and the way I found out about it is actually his immediate supervisor works not too far from his house, and he actually saw the company vehicle in front of his home. So it was just reported to me today um, that this happened. So I just wanted to know if this is in fact right for termination uh, with cause. So I, I take it that he does not get a vehicle for personal use. Anytime he no. needs a vehicle uh, or anytime he uses that vehicle is only for work purposes. Yeah, it's, it's just a shuttle. So it's not for any kind of use but to transport other people in their shuttle. Okay. Uh, now, can he say that he didn't really know that he was not allowed? He didn't think it was going to be a big deal because no one's driving the vehicle? Uh, could he say it? He could, but he's been there for four and a half years and nobody has ever, including myself, seeing the, the I guess you want to call it the, the person in charge of the company, have I ever taken that vehicle mm-hmm. um, on my own time or for personal use? No less during his working hours, he left the premises and went home. I see. I see. So, so you know, this absolutely is a, is a form of misconduct, and it is a serious misconduct. And there could be insurance issues there, liability Correct. issues if he's driving a vehicle that's unapproved. So, it is a big deal. Now, I mean, in some the reason I asked you that question is if he could claim ignorance. Oh, I really didn't know. I thought it was fine. Then, and if the, if there's credibility to that, he may get a bit of leeway. But as you're describing it to me, Marlene, no, I, I think. It is a serious matter, especially if he's leaving work during 
work hours. And, and, you know, when it comes to vehicles, given the liability at stake, you know, if he, if he took out right. one of your shovels or something, then that could right. be a very different issue. Not, not, not much happens there. But if he took your vehicle, given the liability and, and the exposure that you will have or the business will have, yeah, that is a serious matter. And, and that does probably rise to the level of cause. So you have to decide, do you want to part ways with this person or do you think that he made a mistake? You can kind of you know, read him the riot act and make sure he doesn't do it again. But to me, yeah, this probably does rise to the level of cause given, uh, given what he did and how you've described the situation to me. And Okay, and just one more question. Now, when, sure. when you do dismiss somebody with cause, I know that there's a difference of what is required by the labor board and such. Because he's not given any notice, is there still severance owed for that because it's without notice even though there's cause? So if there is cause, then he's not owed notice or severance, okay? He could simply be okay. let go if, in fact, there, there isn't, uh, in fa- if, in fact, there is cause. Now, here's what I would say. Because cause is a big deal, it's kind of the worst punishment, before you actually pull the trigger, let's you and I connect and speak off air. Uh, John here will give you the number. I want to ask a couple more questions to make sure that we have our I's dotted and T's crossed. But, yes, based on what you've described to me, Marlene, it absolutely does sound like cause. Okay. Okay. I actually have your number. I wrote it down Perfect. during the first commercial because I didn't know that I was going to get through. So I will uh, I will definitely connect with you tomorrow then. Look forward to Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Love it. Thank you, Marlene. Email as well, help at employmenthour.com. We'll be uh, moving on the phones here. Got uh, William. Oh, no. William is William was there. William is now gone. You know, William Johnny, I actually think I may have pressed the button accidentally. So, uh, I, William, I apologize. If you can call us back, that was my fault. I, I accidentally hung up on you. Okay, you know what? You're fired, and you get no severance. How about <laughs> no, that? That, okay. that is cause, I don't care if this way. is your show. You're still fired. We're, That's all there is to it. This is a call-in show, and I hung up on a caller. That is, a, that is cause. That is grounds for termination with no that, severance. So I, apologize, I apologize, William. Call us back. I promise I'll, I won't hang up on you, and we'll take your call. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny what you said about Marlena, and you know, maybe if he uh, you know, uh, spilled something or knocked over a pallet, but yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the the insurance implications. God forbid he hit someone on the way home and killed them, you know, entering his driveway. I mean, the, the implications for the business could have been massive, so I see oh, why this one incident could rise to cause, right? Remember what we always talk about, and we've said this on the show many times, that one incident is, is almost never enough, unless yes. it's a big deal. And to me, given what you said, and, and, and my thoughts is, uh, exactly is, it is a big deal, or it could be a big deal. It's, 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 a, it's a dumb thing for someone to do. It's a very risky thing for someone to do, and it, 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 it makes you not being able to trust them. So because of that, yeah. it could actually rise to the level of cause, John. And I think we'll move on now to William. See, I didn't hang up on you, William. I'm a nice guy. I really like you calling in. So uh, so what's going on, pal? And I didn't hang up on you guys. I appreciate you taking the call. Yeah, Leor's guilty. That's all we know. What's happening? Great. Uh, I got a, a unique situation. I've been with um, my employer for just over two years now, and uh, I've been recently recruited um, where the, the new opportunity is it's very attractive, um, and they're aggressively pursuing me. Um, also, uh, recently, I was um, uh, given a, a retention offer for my existing employer, a sizable uh, bonus, if you will, if I stick around with my current employer at least for another year. Uh, what I wanted to ask you guys is um, how should I be looking at this from the, from the side of, of um, negotiating with the potentially new opportunity, and what are some of the rights that I should be considering should I decide to leave? 
uh, and how would that affect, um, say, for example, you know, the, the, the unknown where you, you come on with a new opportunity, a new employer, and it, and it may not turn out to be all that uh, they promise it to be. You're absolutely very smart to be asking those questions and, and to be thinking about those issues because the reality is that anytime you start a new job, you know, you may have the best intentions and so can the company, but sometimes things don't work out. And when you're leaving a secure job where obviously your, your value, they're offering you a retention bonus, to go somewhere unknown, it, it's a risk. So what you need to do is you need to minimize that risk. And the best way to do that is to in advance negotiate what happens if things don't go well. If I am let go, what does that mean? And you want to negotiate an extra uh, cushy and extra favorable termination terms. Something that, that recognizes the fact that you're not chasing them, they're chasing you, and that you're the one taking the risk, not them. So uh, I would negotiate something that guarantees you, guarantees you a minimum of six months severance if, if you were to be let go, plus an additional, let's say, one month per year of service over and above that. So if they let you go on day one, you're still getting six months severance, and then beyond that, it's gonna continue to increase by another month per year of service. The other thing you wanna uh, negotiate is a situation where they don't have the ability to change your job. You wanna negotiate or make sure that there's nothing in your employment agreement that allows them to, uh, to reduce your compensation unilaterally, some agreements have that, or to put you on a temporary layoff, which again, some agreements have that. So the best way to do this is to negotiate favorable exit terms. If you do that, at least you have some security that if things don't go well, you'll have some time, you'll have hopefully enough time to, uh, to move on and, and uh, find another position. So uh, rather, and, and by the way, never agree to a probationary period. Again, those are things you have to be very smart about when negotiating the terms with the new company. Okay, all right. Um, and uh, is there, uh, I mean, is there, uh, um, when you think of things like uh, bonuses that um, are offered on the other side as well, um, these are obviously variables that you never know if you're going to be able to achieve them. Uh, is there certain thresholds um, that when you look at what the all-in uh, um, compensation is for the year that you should be thinking about negotiating as well, you know, as far as a, as far as a guarantee within the first year? Yeah, you should. And, and, and beyond that, I would say because you're off being offered a retention bonus here, they should know that if you're accepting a job, you're walking away from this bonus. So they should consider giving you something equivalent as a signing bonus. Yes, and, and you should uh, negotiate something that guarantees you compensation in the first year or two because it may take you a while to kind of get your bearings and, and, and you know, uh, fire on all cylinders. So you may not meet all the bonus threshold. So you want to have as much security as possible in that first year, maybe even the first couple of years, uh, and, and not make it as bonus heavy during that period of time and have the bonus component kick in more so after year two. Uh, definitely it's something to consider and, and the best advice I'll give you is do not under any circumstances sign that employment agreement without reviewing it with me first. Sounds like a great idea. Okay. Thanks guys. Appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. And reach out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmenthour.com. Still plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions just like that. Come on in, love to talk to you. Four one six eight seven oh sixty four hundred star six forty on cell one triple eight two two five talk is toll free. Hi Murray, thank you for hanging on. How are you? Not too bad. Love the show. Thanks, brother. Um 
I have a question, um, just not to get too specific. Um, uh, Ten years at the at the business, uh, uh, making three hundred grand plus. Um, the, they changed the compensation plan, not plan, but work plan for where the business goes. I'm in the finance world um, to reduce that income uh, arbitrarily by fifty percent and more. Wow. And and when is this effective? Uh, well, basically. Uh, we got taken over by another company uh, a month back. We just haven't signed anything, um, obviously, because I'm not going to sign anything without getting review- reviewed. Uh, they changed that plan uh, exactly about a month ago, but didn't start rolling into like this month. Now, is it is it a given that your compensation is going to be affected that much? Yeah, 100%, because it's a volume of business. They outsource right. the business. So, Murray, you know, hopefully, that, that they cannot do that. That That's ridiculous for, the, for them to hence, think that they can. That's why I'm calling you. I listen all the time. So, so Murray, th- this is a constructive dismissal if there ever was one, mm-hmm. meaning that if, in fact, this goes ahead and you can't get them to, to think rationally and not do this, then you can and you should. In fact, you must treat this as a constructive dismissal and leave with your severance. And, and, and here's why. Uh, two main reasons. The, the main one here is the fact that if you stay, uh, not only are you making less money, if they decide to let you go, let's say, six months later, yeah. now your severance is calculated based on 150000 and not 300000 Okay. Uh, absolutely. Yep. And, and and the second reason is if you let them make this change, that can, then you've given them the right to do other changes in the future. And next time when they reduce it from 150 to 75, and then to 50 and to 25, you won't be able to do anything about it. So, that, that so because thought. of that, you you have to do this now. Since this happened, you have plenty of time. So if you cannot get them to see the light. Uh, you and I need to speak ASAP before you, you can't sit on this. If you sit on this, you're going to be considered to have accepted it. Mm-hmm. And, and then let's treat this as a constructive dismissal. My friend, you don't have too many options here. You have to do it. Yeah, and, and that's what I thought. So if uh, if I could give you a show tomorrow, maybe talk in depth. That works for me. Give me a call. Happy to talk to you. There's a lot to discuss. Absolutely. Murray, good call, smart call, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Get a hold of the or again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour dot com. Moving on to uh to Tom here in Guelph. Hi Tom, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, sir. What's uh, what's happening with you tonight? Um, so I have an employee returning from maternity leave and um when they left they were fine and they were an active employee. While they were off, just before they came back, they were in a car accident, and they returned with a doctor's note having them on light duty. And I'm just wondering, as the employer, what does that look like as far as responsibilities and obligations go? Good call. Excellent call, Tom, and I'm I'm glad you, you called with this question. So as an employer, you have an obligation. It's a strict obligation to accommodate. So you need to provide accommodation uh, if there's a legitimate medical condition, and that may mean finding other duties that this person can do. Now, 
to do that, you need to understand what the limitations are. It's, obviously, they wouldn't, it wouldn't be enough to say she needs light duties. Well, what does that mean? That, does that mean she can't lift things over 10 pounds? Does that mean she has to be sitting down the whole time? You know, what does that actually mean? And, and if you, you're not clear on what the limitations, you absolutely can and, and should ask questions and be as specific as, or, or get as, as specific information as possible as to what the limitations are. Once you know what's what's being asked you have to determine whether you can do it and and it, it's not enough to say ah it's 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 too hard i'm not even going to try you do have to try you do have to legitimately look at, at all possibilities if you cannot if there's legitimately nothing that can be done to meet those requirements then you you, you have to say that and and you can say that if things change on your end the company's end you'll let them know and of course if things changes on her end and she can do more to let you know but right. you cannot do that unless you've explored all possibilities and try to accommodate. If she has right. such limitations that are so severe that there's just nothing that you can provide her, fine. Then you don't have to accommodate and she can stay off on a medical leave until she gets better. But you have to take this seriously and make all efforts to accommodate. Right. So here, here's just an extended question. So she's coming back with this condition. What if she was an employee that was in her regular stream of work? and had a car accident. Same thing would apply. Same thing would apply. The, the, the maternity leave doesn't impact this situation at all. No, this is all about the, the, the accident or the medical conditions, regardless of whether it happened because of pregnancy, uh, a car accident, or because she was mountain climbing. Uh, the fact is that she has these restrictions, presumably, and, and as long as they're backed up by a doctor and you get some specific information, you have to accommodate. Right. Okay, no, that's perfect. That answers my question. That's kind of what we thought, but I just wanted to make sure. Sure. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you uh, reaching out. Good call, and we'll get to uh, to John here. Still got a couple minutes to go. Hey, John, how are you, pal? Oh, not bad yourself. Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? I was just curious if uh, across the board, union or not, if there is a required lunch break for a full-time employee that works eight hours hmm. a day. Cool. Yes, there is a requirement of a 30-minute unpaid break, and if you're part of a union, your collective agreement may negotiate terms that are potentially better than that, you know, maybe two breaks or three breaks or an hour break, but the general rule is you would have to get a 30-minute unpaid break. It does not have to be paid, but it has to be unpaid. Okay, okay, yeah, because they're only offering 15 minutes for... For, uh, eight hours. So, yeah. is, is this a unionized uh, job? Yes, yes. Then you make sure you talk to the un- your union because the only one, again, that can enforce those rights for you if you're part of a union is the union. And again, I'm not picking on unions at all. I'm just telling you based on my experience. In some situations, uh, even though they should be, the union may choose not to fight these things because they may have bigger fish to fry or other things they're looking at. But ultimately, it is up to the union, John, to uh, to decide or to, to pursue this and to help you enforce your rights. John, appreciate that call. Good luck with that one. Let's move it over to you. I think we have time for an email or two here. Uh, Fern writes in, again, help at employmenthour.com is the email address. Fern says, I've been put on a performance improvement plan for 90 days. If I do not complete everything on the plan, they will terminate my employment. The things they are asking me to get done are not in all of my control. Do they have the right to terminate me without severance pay? So, no, they don't. And remember, this is a very important question because just because you've been put on a performance improvement plan 
and let's say you don't meet what they're asking you, does not mean you can be let go for cause. Does not mean that. It, there's no direct equation. Uh, performance improvement plan didn't meet requirements, therefore cause. It does not work that way at all. For them to terminate you for cause for performance reasons, they ultimately they would have to show that you almost did it on purpose, that you were deliberately doing a bad job. That's, that's how hard it is to, to terminate for cause. But to, to, to his specific situation, to Fern's specific situation here, if your employer is asking you to do things and, and demanding that you meet milestones or do things that are not all in your control, then you have to say so, okay? You have to tell your employer that, put that in writing so there's a record, and say, you know, you've asked me to, to make sure that these three projects are done, but I, I can't do it myself, but I'm dependent on those guys uh, out west doing their job. So to make sure that they understand that and that you're aware of that, because that way, if the projects are not done, you can say, listen, I told you that I can't control mm -hmm. it all. I told you that there's other people that are involved. So tell them your concerns, make sure that they understand them, and ultimately, if they do let you go, it would have to be a without cause termination, meaning you would be owed severance. And now if he does that, what, the onus is on the employer to do what? Make modifications to the performance plan? Well, they may or they may not, but what, what, what happens by him putting his position in writing, he makes it that much more difficult for the uh, company to terminate him, certainly to terminate him for cause. And a good employer would do that, would, make sure, would put things in place that are reasonable, would put uh, milestones and, uh, and, and targets that the person can actually meet so that they're not setting up the employee for failure. Uh, and uh, anytime an employer does set milestones and, and, and demands that are not reasonable, that they know the employee can never meet, we can see that, okay? And that makes the employer yeah. look bad and it makes them lose credibility. And because of that, anything that they do is not going to be legitimate. So for employers, it is important. If you're going to make, uh, if you're going to put someone on a performance improvement plan, if you're going to give them a bad performance review and set down targets for them, those targets have to be attainable, they have to be reasonable, and you have to give them the support, the employee, the support needed to achieve those targets rather than say, you go figure it out. That never works, John. Good for a Wednesday night. We will do this again Monday, the weekend shows, and, of course, Employment Hour at 30 on Global TV and CTV. That happens on the weekend mornings. Want to reach out? You know it by now, one 821 5900 It is help at employmenthour.com. And never sign anything. Even look at it twice until you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, this has been the Employment Hour Global News Radio.